Welcome to Dude West. This is episode eight. I'm your host, Edward Simpson, and I got some rambling to do. Uh, For those of you who are UFC fans like me, we just watched a miniature supervillain knockout Joseph Benavidez in one night for... Is that the third time he knocked him out or the second? I'm not going to take the time to do the research right now, but like... There's no doubt that the dude's better than Joe Benavidez after that fight, to say the least. And it's a tragedy because because Joe Benavidez deserves to have the the reward of working so hard for so many years, to have the reward of being a champion. But he didn't get it. He fell short, no pun intended, for the third time fourth time in a row and as a result he probably will not get another title shot so what does he do does he ride off in the distance become a commentator does he coach does he does he just chill at the gym does he continue fighting a few more fights just to end on a high note instead of a low one i don't know i don't know what you do at that level i would imagine whatever keeps paying the bills and whatever keeps you happy at the end of the day, though. I mean, that was a crazy fight. The fact of the matter is, is every time Joe got hit, though, it was like Figueredo had the touch of God in his hand. And just every time he touched Joe, he just sat him down. He just sat him down like a little boy. And it was crazy to watch. Um, That's a bummer to be on Joe's side of that. But... You know, that's the fight game, and that's what happens. Sometimes you get sat down like a little boy, and sometimes you look like a big man at the end of the fight. And that's pretty much how I break up the fight game in its entirety. However, that takes us to a new weekend of UFC fights, and I cannot wait for the weekend that's going to come with that. We got Darren Till versus Rob Whitaker. And my heart of hearts doesn't want either of those gentlemen to lose because they're so fantastic to watch from an entertainment perspective. Darren Till is hilarious on social media. Whitaker seems like a genuine soul who who just like does no wrong and is the epitome of like what a true fighter is. It's just like grid, iron, determination, just just grit just blood just 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 like an inner dog um and it's gonna it's gonna like be some fights are just bittersweet to watch because you know they're gonna be so awesome but then you know someone you like is gonna lose too and this that's kind of how this is gonna be however like i don't know how awesome it's gonna be because darren till is a very calculated striker it's kind of that that thing where it's like it has the potential to be awesome because Rob Whitaker pushes the pace, but Darren Till, for all we know, could just be calculating the whole time on how to best strike in and out. And Rob Whitaker has more of like a, a ferocity about his style where, where Darren Till has more of a precision. He's just like a, like a sniper. Same with the, the division champ is he at and he's going to face Paulo Costa if the rumors hold true soon enough. And that'll be extremely weird to see that. I mean, 
I bet. I wonder if Izzy even goes into that a favorite because Paulo Costa is just like a a walking hunk of muscle. He's just. I mean, I'm pretty sure he just has like extra muscle around the bone on his jaw for God knows what. He just has it. He's just growing muscles on his elbows and shit. The dude's. I can't. I don't want to say he's on roids because I don't know him, but uh, he's a little juicy to say the least. <laughs> and who who knows how that fight's gonna go? Those are just two starkly contrasted styles. They both stand and fight, which is cool. But Paulo Costa seems to be able to stand withstand a train hitting him and still not get like knocked down, whereas. Adesanya, uh, he's more calculated. He's not really taking hits. Um, but Gastelum almost, you know, knocked him down with a punch in their fight. So I don't think it's much of a stretch to think that Costa could do the same, considering Costa's a walking piston of a man. The dude's just a machine. It's honestly weird to see. Because you see normal people on the street in your everyday life, when you're walking by and you're like, oh, that guy's normal. Oh, that guy's normal. And then a man like Paula Costa comes out the alleyway and you think, oh, superheroes are real. The Avengers are a real thing and we're about to be attacked by aliens. But no, it's just some Brazilian grass fed off of whatever Brazilians eat. They must like add another meat to their, <laughs> to their diet. Like I know in some countries they eat horse. Maybe Brazil, they're like eating llamas or something. Maybe maybe they know something we don't. Who, who knows? The dude is like one of those rare anomalies. It's like the Yol Romero syndrome. That fight between them was so crazy. And then to see the fight between Izzy and Romero be such a, a lackluster event was just, I think, a testament to the styles of those guys. As Paulo Costa is always going to push the action because he's determined like he's not going to care if he loses a round because he's determined he's just going to pretty much just tear you down through through just erosion eroding with body shots just just hard hard shots throughout the time he knows that you're going to wither away before he does cuz he's built with bricks or you know roids who knows maybe he just eats kfc chicken all day Maybe that's why DC is so strong because he eats Popeyes all day, and it's, Popeyes is just straight chickens that are in cages, fedroids. But man, the UFC, the UFC has been so crazy lately with how fights have been, with everything about it. I mean, I feel like I've witnessed more knockouts in my life than any day on world star hip-hop could produce the amount of knockouts i've seen recently is is uh is something else and like i know there's a certain atmosphere to be achieved when you have a crowd and you're fighting and all the fighters get amped from crowds and stuff but dude something about no crowds is producing way more interesting fights from a streamer's perspective from somebody who's always watching behind the screen like it's producing way more interesting fights. And the only way I could ever think of justifying going to a fight is like, I know that's going to be one in a blue moon. Why don't we all just bite the bullet and make them fight in the Apex Center forever? 
just get the most amazing fights. I, I, the thing I like the most about these fights is you can hear every shot. You can hear what the corner's saying, hear what the reps are saying. It's awesome. I wonder how much of nerves play into like ruining fights that have the potential to be amazing. Because right now we're seeing at least a large amount of pressure that would have been brought on by the crowd not exist. And as a result, fighters are actually swinging. It's like a, it has to be that freedom people feel when they're, when they're bare knuckle boxing in a basement somewhere in the underbelly of London <laughs> or Ireland or wherever bare knuckle boxing happens somewhere back where they have fancy accents and crooked teeth. And that's my British stereotype for the day. Um, are British stereotypes messed up? I don't think British people get angry about that, if I think about it. I guess British people aren't necessarily an oppressed people either, you know, kind of colonialized uh, a crud ton of the world. They kind of shot off a load onto America and then sprouted this craziness that we are today. And uh, yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm in the clear. I won't get canceled if I make fun of Britain. Cool. Um, that's as far as I'm going to push it, though, because I like England. And and uh, I know that they are way more than crooked teeth and tea and whatever, or bare knuckle boxing. I obviously know more than that. And I, I feel like everyone else does, too. Like, everybody else knows not to reduce England to just that, because England's got all types of stuff. I don't understand why they still got a queen, though, or or a monarchy. I don't really know how that works. So that's probably why I don't understand is because I'm completely uneducated on the subject, but I, I just don't, I just don't get the, the concept of inherent power to rule people from birth. So like when you turn 18 or whatever the age is for them to start ruling, they get that, they get that, uh, is it heritage? And no, they get the air. They they sniff the air and then they get the right to rule. That's how it works. Uh man. And then other than the UFC just leaving teeth on the floor and spraying blood all over the canvas, I have uh been kind of stuck in all summer. It's kind of a bore. You know, I mean I got the weekends to hunt and fish and take my dog on hikes and next weekend I kind of want to go camping and try to get a few squirrels while I'm out there or take a rod or reel or something like that. But for the most part, like summer has really wound down or at least kept me inside. I was talking to some of my friends who live in the more uh, populated spots of Denver. I got one who lives in Lodo. She was telling me that like bars are open. People are going. They've just found a way around the, the law. People are chilling in the streets pretty much they've shut down streets for people to drink and i was like holy crap i could have been going out this whole summer and i didn't realize it i felt pretty stupid but at the same time like still knowing that information now i still feel like i'm not gonna go out i don't really want to get sick there's an uptick in covid right now i'm not trying to to like lose out on work because i'm trying to pull a squirrel move and stack up as much money as I can before the next thing shuts us all down and and we're stuck inside till 
halfway through 2021. Oh my God, I, I wish I didn't even say that. Think about that sucks. If we're stuck into 2021, but we might. I read something today that Trump was like, I, I won't, ex he's talking about he might not accept if he loses the election. I don't think that's how that works. I don't think you can just choose to not accept it. Like, like it's not like a, it's like he cheats, it's like he treats it like a bad breakup. Like, oh no. My Trump, my Trump impression doesn't even, doesn't even make sense, but oh no, <laughs> that's my Trump voice is just like nowhere near what it is, but he pretty much just thinks by saying, no, I'm not going to accept it. He doesn't lose the presidency. Like That's not how that works, buddy. You don't just get to say, no, I'm not going to accept it. Gosh, I can't wait to get that inflammation out of the office because that's all that man is. is. He's just like the biggest boil on America's ass. And if we could just pop him and relieve all the inflammation and swelling around his little fat head, we would uh, probably be a little better off. We just need to be able to have conversations with each other. Right now, I feel like everybody's ears are plugged with wax. Some Every side's trying to say something and no one's listening and it's ridiculous. And to be honest, it's, I hate how divided it is because like people, people like choose teams in a way that doesn't make sense. Like they don't choose what their beliefs are. They just choose to support whatever the party says after a certain extent, it seems like there seems to be. I don't know. I feel like a lot of more people should be in the middle because there's so many good, there's good concepts on both sides of Republicans and Democrats, but you could just like take the best of both it'd be in a lot better. I just don't get the, I don't get why there's no willingness to compromise in politics. Maybe it's because there's money wound up and a thousand other things above my head. But man, it is such a headache to watch unravel as a 25-year-old. I'm a writer. I graduated Florida State University. I've been out of college a few years right now. And COVID like, has ruined my typical inspiration for writing because I don't like to write political shit. I personally don't feel like I have a lot to say when it comes to politics because I'm pretty uneducated until recently now i've done so much work to educate myself and as a result of that work i probably won't speak on politics too heavily to form much of a, an opinion for some time because I, I realized just how much i don't know still but to finally like entrench myself in it and that's i guess that's privilege in some way that I've waited till 25 to now start to concern myself with politics, but to now start to do, it's just, it just blows my mind. The, the amount of people, I guess, that speak about politics and push, push out messages without research or well-founded facts, and they just spread misinformation and kind of further harm the dialogue being perpetuated someone for example being our own president and twitter fact checked him because of it twitter's fact checking our president now 
because he won't fact check himself. You'd think every president has has to like work cite their tweets, but nope, they don't. They just can spout off the dome. And I mean, I can't blame it. It's Twitter, but dude, it is it is uh, just another world we live in. Hopefully, we see a, a slight a new Americana soon where we do something new with the way we vote. Because it seems very like a very broken system, and I think a lot of people would go far to agree with that. To where, you know, so many people feel like they're limited to two options. They don't feel like they can make a vote outside the system. If you register to a party, you can only vote for that party. I personally think that's kind of a bullshit law. Like, if I because I'm registered to one party or the other, I can only vote for that party. As a as a citizen, it shouldn't, I feel like it should never be a party versus party thing. It should just be an all candidate thing where, where you just get equal footing. But this party thing, I feel like has happened as a result of advertising and spending. And it, it, you know, if you can get the big endorsement from Republicans or Democrats, you win. If there were no parties, there'd be no major machinery to back certain candidates and I guess one thing we might need to destruct, deconstruct as Americans is the party system, having these limited options, having it be like these machines are the only ones paying for the advertising for major candidates to win. Maybe the internet will change that because you can go viral now and you don't need as much money to succeed. But uh, I I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it will change. It has to. There's, there's no government that stayed the same, exactly the same throughout all of time. And I'm sure ours won't either. It would be absolutely insane now that I think about it. If we get 500 years down the line and we haven't done anything to, to like update the original constitution. I know we're always making laws in America, and yada, 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 but like, it would be insane if we didn't do some like, I don't know, some like really deep rehaul. And that's, I feel like that's just the extent I really want to talk about politics because I feel very, <laughs> very uh, like, what's the word? I don't have the credentials to speak on it. So I, uh, I'm just going to cut myself off right here and stop and take a swig of Bud Light, reset my mind to happier days, happier Happier moods. And continue on. Because I live in a great place. I live in Denver, Colorado. And I'm hard-pressed to be angry about much living out here. Other than right now, it's, it's another level of heat. Like I'm sure many people are experiencing as a result of summer. But moving here from Florida, there's a stark difference, and that's that not all apartments are fitted with AC units right off the bat. And that has left me so sweaty so many nights. I don't even sleep, I don't even sleep under my bed covers anymore. I just excuse me. Huge burp there. But I don't sleep under my bed covers anymore. I just sleep on top of them pretty much naked and try to get like every body of air fan pointed at me in the room. 
I just bought another fan today because I was like, one's not enough. I need two. Amongst several other things I bought because I could use several things. And we don't need to go into that because I'm sure people do not care about my haul from Tarjay. The one-stop French stop for all home goods and necessities. Went fishing to Chatfield at Chatfield State Park this week. Didn't catch a thing. So I'll probably mark that place off my list of places to fish. There's been a few places I've caught fish, but out of uh, out of sake of sparking interest, I'll probably keep them to myself for the time being until I make a video about them and actually show up with some fish in them instead of just telling people I catch fish there. I'll, I'll provide a little evidence as well. But uh, where at least the lake we went to in Chatfield was just uh, not worth it. Uh, as far as I could tell, it's probably very shallow. And the fishing pressure was very high, just along the whole bank, all the way around it. There were people fishing, casting lines, dropping lures. However, it's still a good day. A, a, a bad day fishing still a good day i don't want to sound negative because while i was there i saw a deer i saw several coyote got to watch heron got to watch the water something about the water how it takes on a mercury silver reflection in the sunlight is always very soothing to watch in a way i remember well maybe not always soothing maybe sometimes somber because I've been in some somber moments watching water. I could have, I could have a whole album just titled Watching Water. <laughs> if I was a musician, I'd have a whole album dedicated to that because I have had some somber moments over a body of liquid. A body of that H2O gets some morose thoughts going. I've been out on the West Coast watching waves crash against the rocks of Sonoma County. I've been in Florida watching the Atlantic creep up in low tide at sunlight as the as the sun kisses the ocean and turns the whole the whole surface silver. I've I've seen it all, man. I've seen all the waters. Now I'm out in Colorado experiencing experiencing its lakes. They're not as clear as Florida lakes, but I don't blame them for that. Uh, they're not as clear as Florida Springs. Florida lakes are muddy too. I, I should, you know, correct myself because we got catfish and anything a catfish lives in is not clean. No way. <laughs> but it's nice out here. I enjoy the fishing. I want to, I want to go squirrel hunting though. Fishing is nice, but mix it up you gotta throw a little variety in there they all pose different challenges yet at the end of the day they all end up in dinner so you can't really hate going off and doing either one it's just i guess what you're in the mood for to eat i'm probably more in the mood to eat squirrel more often than fish but that's just a personal thing and that's just a it's not a florida thing it's a it's something I know it's not for everyone, and <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, what in the world, dude, squirrel? It's normal. Just trust me. 
I'm not going to try to sell you on it, but to, 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 to put it in your mind, just think of it like how people make rabbit stew a lot, or they used to in the olden days, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, where people were just making stews out the, out the wazoo. And every, as I prepare for the rest of the week, I'm kind of wondering how it's going to play out because I've hit a year at my job. So I've learned quite a bit in my role about how to do better in my role, how to be more efficient. And I think my bosses are happy with me. I think... I'm okay with the job as well for the time being because my focus is elsewhere in a sense. Like it's not, it's not, I guess it's not as much as advancing a marketing career anymore. It's about advancing all the other pursuits I have. And the main pursuit, the one that I've always had since, since the second year, third year of college Gonzo, you're killing me, man. Every time I start speaking or trying to record, you start drinking water. You wait hours, and then whenever I start, that's when you decide. You got to stop it, buddy. Go lay down. Lay down. Go lay down. You're going to trip over and knock something over. Go lay down. And ever since my second year of college, when I started figuring out what I wanted to do, I knew it was in some fashion use language. I know a lot of people say tell stories, but for me, I don't think it was as much as a need to tell stories because I don't have many stories to tell when it comes down to it at the end of day or at least I don't have many to tell that I find interesting myself not to say that I haven't lived a fun life or anything like that um, it's just for me stories need a certain factor that's unbelievable for them to be interesting and that's why I guess I don't feel like I have many details because my interests always veer toward fiction and there are, I mean, there's a few um, nonfiction authors that have definitely caught my attention, but I think that's mainly because of the choice of language that they chose to use at the end of the day. For example, Ernest Hemingway changed how writers thought about the use of simple language, the use of simplicity, how it still tell a good story. However, the simple language, something that has to be done is the story has to carry a lot of the work because the language isn't going to be there to do so. On the other hand, Jack Kerouac had a very blues sing-songy type of prose where it was lyrical throughout the whole narrative and the story itself was loose. It wasn't anything that was a majorly structured narrative. It didn't have a lot of conflict it didn't have a lot of resolution there wasn't tons of drama it was more all positive i would say his stories were very positive at least the ones i've read except for visions of gerard or visions of cody whichever one you've read 
Um, but it all it was all done with a hint of inspiration. One inspired by his friend, Neil, I believe his name was. I forgot I forgot the whole name right now, and I'm drawing a blank and that's because of my friend right here, but good old Bud Light. But his his stories weren't as much carried by narrative. And I think it just becomes on how good you do something, which can kind of support the rest of your book, your literature, so to speak. And they both found their own way to support their own writing and create their own style while still following the rules of writing in a way that employed them all. Maybe not equally, but they still employed all the rules or all the basics, not the rules. There should be no rules. But it's interesting to think about that and to think about my pursuit of what I've wanted to do since college because I've never been focused in the story. I've always been focused on the language. And that's, I guess, why I veered off towards poetics, toward poetry in college. And that was my fascination. And that's what I got into and what I stuck my nose in and sought off at night drunk under the sky, always under the sky. I don't know when I've ever been above it, <laughs> but to, to find, to find some sort of slur, some sort of meander into the uncanny, into the vibrant, toward the lyrically spont spontaneous and it was always on searches of conversation on searches of adventure whatever i could get myself into like one night i wound up in some complete stranger's penthouse after getting invited on a party bus in the most random circumstance because i was in the darkest parking lot darkest neighborhood like there's no way a party bus should have been there but yet it rolled up and they invited me in and i'm not one to look at gift horse in the mouth um and just so many weird stories in college but now i'm out and now i've been out here in denver and and right when i wanted to start i i i settled down a while i, I started re re-looking at the world when I got out here. And it, it, I mean, I, maybe I didn't start because I had this whole thing in my last year of college where I started traveling. I worked on a ranch, I worked on a pot farm. I shot across the underbelly of America, the Southwest, up the West Coast, into Nevada to, to hang out a month and drive cattle. It got real remote. And then I, I sought off and shot back to Tallahassee and graduated worked a few months, saved up money, and shot off to Colorado and moved to Boulder. And when I got to Boulder, and I didn't land a solid job at first. I was working odd gigs. I was working online jobs, doing social media remotely for different healthcare practitioners, different plastic surgeons, just really weird social media gigs. And I picked up a restaurant job. I was mixing part-time jobs, juggling a few to pay the bills living with roommates, which is not my favorite thing because I hate cleaning up after other people. I can stomach it when it's myself, but when it's other people, something about it just irks me. 
and I uh, I can't say I landed on any for sure pathway, for sure pursuit that was going to give me any security. So near the end of my first year in Colorado and Boulder, I knew I had to get a better job. I started applying. I started going back for marketing gigs because I used to work at a marketing firm in Tallahassee, Florida when I went to FSU. And I landed a job last summer in June. Now I've been at that job a year. And not much has changed from when I worked at a marketing firm or an advertising agency in college. It's, it's all very similar. It's all, I'm, I'm really just getting better at the job. I'm gaining more skills. I'm doing everything you should do as you pursue a career and gain more experience. But that doesn't take me away from the fact that poetry has always been my main pursuit. And then that makes me face another reality is poetry is not a high paying gig. Poetry is not something where you earn millions off of it. And I'm not somebody who sets off to make millions either. I should clarify that. But poetry is not something that lends to a life of financial security or necessarily building a family in some circumstances, depending on who you are. Not every poet lands. Not everyone builds a following. Not everyone becomes a major poet. You know, It's like any art. Only a handful of people rise to the top. And I'm sitting here and I'm now this summer, I got one poem published under my name so far. It's in the Tampa Review. If you ever become somebody who enjoys that type of stuff, you could check it out. But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, I have a fat, fat library archive, so to speak, of poems accumulated of these years of writing and some of that I've submitted some of them some of them I've kept in the shadows forever and I don't know what I'll do with them but I know it's time to start building something and really pursuing this because at 25 it's either that or just lollygag in my mind because if I'm not setting off on a, like an actual pursuit by this point, an actual path to really like build a career and build a viable income to live a, a life where it's not just survival. I have to start now. I can't wait till 35. I can't wait till 40. I can't work as a bartender all those years because that doesn't give you the, the same opportunities of huge financial growth. Sure. That's like, financial security month to month, but at the end of the day, that still hits a uh, paycheck to paycheck type of lifestyle. And that's not the type of lifestyle I'm setting out for. I don't know how I'm going to hit those goals because I know I want those goals to become, to be a result of me doing something I love doing. I don't want to just turn into like a money pig where I just do things for money, but I got to figure out the routes to kind of use my, I have to strategize. I think that's something I'm learning is like, you can do all these things, but if you don't work to somehow market them, I guess, in some regard, then they'll never be seen. You'll never build an audience and you'll never make a splash. And that's uh that's something I'm facing recently. It's like, all right, I'm recognizing all these things. I know 
how this goes for so many brands because I work in the marketing agency. I've worked in advertising agencies. I've done the copywriting thing. And I get it. I, I get how that whole thing works. And at this point, it's like, oh, do I want to keep serving brands forever or do I want to finally break off? And I know the answer to that because I, I know I'd, in an ideal world, I'd just be shooting off books left and right. People would be buying them and I'd be happy. But I wonder how many people still love reading now when everybody's attention span is a maximum of eight seconds on a platform like YouTube. I wonder how many people are eager to pick up poetry and read. And I wonder what's the future of art? What's the going to be the most popular medium? I feel like it's always, when TV arose, it's become that. And video's always been king in a regard because it's so easy to digest without a lot of effort. Everything's kind of delivered to you in a very nice sensual package. You get imagery, you get audio in some formats, you get like 4D effects, I guess. The water splashes your face or something, and like theme parks and stuff, and you have 3D goggles. But it, it's very, it's just easier to take in, and it might feel slightly more natural as well because you see a face or you see a familiar familiar scene familiar landscape or something we're like oh i don't have to imagine it anymore but i realize that takes away the zest of language and the zest of things that make specific arts special so now i think i'm faced with the question that maybe this has all been a mentor well let me sidestep here Maybe this whole podcast or this whole latter half has been a mental exercise for me to get to this realization. But now I realize poetry is pretty much a dying art. In a regard, it's like blockbuster. And people aren't as focused on it. Like, there's a niche crowd for poetry. Some may call it indie, so to speak. Uh, some may call it older. Maybe people... Maybe something happens when you get more mature where you realize you want your attention span taken up for longer and you don't want these quick forms of meaningless content. You want real digestible stuff. Maybe that's what poetry is geared towards, an older audience. I'm not really sure what the future of art is, but I know we're all faced with a evolving landscape due to the internet, and due to popular media like YouTube. Um... And it just makes you wonder how, I guess my question is, how do I help poetry grow, not only for me personally within my own career, like not how, how do I not only make my poetry grow and gain a fan base, but how do I make the overall art grow? How do I draw attention to it in a way that's original for me? I'm stuck on that lately. I don't know how, because... I, uh, I might not relate to many people. I mean, I, I should say, I, I think the word's empathetic. I understand a lot of people's struggles and I, I have the full ability to like sympathize with those and stuff like that. But 
to another extent, it's like, I, I just don't usually have the same interest. Like I'm always, how do you talk about, how do you write about snowboarding down a mountain when that's all visceral when that's all speed, adrenaline and gravity plummeting you down a slope toward, toward the bottom of the ground, earth. I don't know. That's my thing is how do I, how do I write something that people want to read about? Like this, is there a snowboard poetry audience, for example, is there a, a audience of poetry that loves Muay Thai? These are the questions. <laughs> uh, kind of a random tangent to go off of, but this is my podcast. So I'm going to run it how I want to run it. Uh, because inspiration comes from all places. Anyways, I think that's a lot of time I've spent kind of ranting, and I, I have plenty more I could rant about, but I'll save it for another episode because you got a day to live, and I already appreciate all the time you spent listening to this podcast if you made it this far. Uh, so with that said, if you want, I'd appreciate it if you share this podcast or if you give it a review. That'd be cool too. I'd love to hear what people have to say. I'm always open to comments. I'm always open to suggestions and I'm open to, to collaboration as well, I guess. So thanks for joining me. Uh, this is dude West signing off.